I am Alan Cameron, and in this Thinking Aloud podcast, I'm going to deliver a speech that I first gave at the AFME Post-Trade Virtual Conference in 2020. It's entitled, Necessity is the Mother of Invention, but she had other children too. Since arriving in London in the early 1980s, I've always been impressed by commuters on the underground. They may not be the friendliest bunch that you will ever meet, and sometimes some extra soap would not go amiss. But you you have to hand it to them. They know what they're about and how to efficiently traverse our great city. Despite the tube map not being to scale, the vastly different speeds and reliability of the different lines, and the varying difficulty of interchanges, they know how to do their daily journey from A to B optimally. They know the best lines and how to move between them. They know where to stand on the platform to guarantee the speediest exit on arrival. They are a canny crowd who've mastered a skill that is important to their daily lives. Or so I thought, until the economist and journalist Tim Harford introduced me to a paper written by Larcom, Rausch and Wellams, which looked at the data that could be gleaned from London underground commuters' smart cards. Surprisingly, only 84% of commuters were completing their journey efficiently. The data suggested that many commuters were doing the same thing every day without thinking much about it. Despite their air of authority, London commuters were not doing that much better than the tourists and day-trippers who so often get in their way and about whom they are so disdainful. And then something interesting happened. In 2014, there was a strike in the underground that closed half the stations for two days. Many, but not all commuters, had to replan their journeys to cope with this disruption. This split allowed comparison analysis. After the strike, most of those whose journeys had been disrupted went back to their original routes. However, some did not. About 5% had discovered a better daily commute. They had explored new options and improved what they were doing through the unwanted, annoying disruption forced upon them by the strike. With this consequent improvement in journeys, the strike produced a net long-term benefit, despite the inconvenience to many. Why commuters had not discovered these better routes before is puzzling. They were not hard to find but they were only found once the commuters were forced to look for them. If you look around, you can find many examples of improvement through forced disruption. The researchers mentioned the discovery of port, improving policing at Dutch football matches, and the Fosbury flop. In his Cautionary Tales podcast, Tim Harford takes this idea further with the work of the music producer, Brian Eno. He was at least partly responsible for some of the most acclaimed albums of all time. He inspired the creativity of his artists by forcing them out of their comfort zone. 
with Eno in charge, a world famous musician might arrive in a studio to find his producer had made it harder, not easier, for him to perform. I know it sounds strange, but have a look at the list of albums he produced. Experimentation and decision making is difficult with imperfect information. So we often live with suboptimal practices that we're used to. All of us do this in both our professional and personal lives. We are all doing things every day by habit, which do not really make sense. The imposition of unwanted constraints can force exploration and improvement. This is particularly true in our industry, where the cost of failure is so high that experimentation and innovation are inherently difficult and even institutionally discouraged. Hence, we should heed Winston Churchill's advice to never let a good crisis go to waste. With COVID-19, we've been forced to find new ways of doing old things. There are many examples. Let me mention just three. Firstly, the biggest change forced upon us has, of course, been working from home. Despite a growing body of research showing that home working is more productive than office working, our industry had been slow to embrace this. I am a late convert myself. Now, it looks so obvious. Cut out the commute and spend the time saved more productively. Home working should only improve our productivity and well-being. But this is not quite the full picture. There are a few problems with home working. They are more fundamental than the old perceived issues of system access and controls, which turned out not to be the showstoppers that we thought they might be. Sadly, there is much evidence that home working can lead to mental health issues. In fact, the well-being of staff is probably the most significant lasting constraint in home working, even if it impacts only a small minority. I know we can improve our mental health while home working by getting comfortable workspaces and building boundaries around our work. However, this does not sound quite enough. Another problem with home working is a lack of unplanned, unexpected, informal dialogue that is so important to innovation and maybe also to our well-being. And transferring knowledge and skills is surely harder with home working. It must be difficult to start a new job in such circumstances. So if we could only find a way to support fluid, innovative interaction among staff whilst home working, then this important change will deliver lasting productivity gains, improve lifestyles, and be a very welcome new normal. Tied in with this is my second example. Within today's restrictions, we still need to meet, inform, discuss, and canvas opinion across many people. Annual general meetings, which are often enshrined in company law, are a good example or even off-sites. Such meetings are important institutions to the way we work. They're key to decision-making, establishing a collective purpose, disseminating information, and promoting collaboration and innovation. We really cannot do without them. However, with COVID, 
we found that although digital representation cannot always replace every aspect of physical presence, in many ways it can be superior. A digital conference might not be quite as inspirational or as much fun as a physical conference, but it allows a broader and more geographically dispersed attendance. Electronic voting at an AGM is surely more secure and efficient than the paper chase that we're used to. So we need to look at the meetings that populate our calendar and reconsider their purpose and how they may benefit from the advantages of remote attendance. The third example I would like to mention is how we've circumvented the need for paper documents. Companies that had been paying dividends by cheque found they could do so just as easily by money transfer. Documents with digital signatures were accepted where previously only wet signatures would do. This even included some of the cumbersome tax reclaim and relief processes that feel like they've been passed down respectfully and without question from generation to generation. We could not yet get rid of physical certificates, but we got better at transferring them. Environmental benefits from these three examples. We've lightened our carbon footprints with reduced travel and discovered that we did not really need all the documents that we'd been printing. In many ways, these have been a difficult few months. The COVID health crisis and the subsequent curtailment of economic activity has been quite devastating. However, the disruption has forced us to explore alternative ways of working. In many cases, this has led to efficiencies. Plato was right. Necessity is the mother of invention and adaptation and innovation as well. She also had another child who was not quite as glamorous as her more celebrated children. This child was never given an English name, but was often known simply as making changes that you should have done years ago and then left wondering why you had not. So the crisis has refocused our attention and accelerated our action. With just a little more effort, we can make further improvements and bank some permanent productivity gains from this whole experience. This is just as well. The need to have more efficient capital markets in Europe is only going to become more pressing. The crisis showed that companies need to hold more cash and have ready access to the capital markets. Hence, we need to strive for every efficiency available whether they are planned or found as we respond to, dis to disruption. We can learn from the London underground commuters and their surprising response to the 2014 strike. Sometimes you can find something good in something bad. Thank you for listening. This has been a Thinking Aloud podcast brought to you by BMP Paribas Security Services.